morning, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Neighbors Livecast. I'm Super Dave, aka Mr. Incredible, and with me as always is a double dose of feminine energy, Miss Patrice Fruitfit Jones and Aisha Green. Welcome, ladies. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Aisha says she's not camera ready today, so we won't be seeing her. Not at all. <laughs> <laughs> but that's all right, though. I appreciate y'all being here, uh, spreading your uh, Black girl magic all over the place. And uh, we have an awesome show for you today because today's guest is uh, a hilarious comedian, uh, one of our favorite guests here, and a good friend. And I say that because anytime I call this dude and say, come through, he's always there. He always shows up. I appreciate it. Uh, he also just happens to be the patriarch of one of the coolest black families in America. And I'm not just saying that because his family's dope. Ebony Magazine actually did a poll a couple of years ago, did a story, and uh, they were number 72 on the list of the coolest black families in America. And I think that's pretty dope. So I just like to shout it out every time I see him. Uh, uh, ladies and gentlemen, the hilarious Ralph Cooper. I like to put a lot of pressure on you too, to say stuff like, he's really funny and the hilarious. So now everybody's looking at you like, make us laugh, funny man. No, but, uh, Ralph Cooper is with us, man. Welcome, welcome. Thank you for coming, dude. Nice intro, man. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. Thank you. But, definitely, definitely. Now, like you gave me the pause and everything. That wasn't cool. <laughs> it was like, oh. <laughs> now, 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 be a good time. Word. Yeah, right, right, right. Just say something funny. No, no, you but uh, but yeah, man, I'm excited to talk to you. It's been a lot going on, and I like I always say, I like to have comedians on in time where there's a lot of turmoil and things just because uh, they always have interesting perspectives and uh, and a, a lot of insight, and also laughter is and has always been the best medicine, so it's always uh, good to uh, you know see you brother and have you in the building we got a lot to talk about and we're gonna get into it i'm gonna send a shout out to boss lady she's watching how you doing and uh <laughs> yeah so let's get into these uh topics there's a couple of things going on um i wanted to start uh we're talking about um since the passing of uh, chadwick bozeman disney and marvel have been kind of you know uh in catch-up mode trying to figure out what they were going to do and last week uh Marvel CEO Kevin Feige made an announcement um, about the path that they're taking with Black Panther. Um, I thought it was a cool statement. He was saying that just because of how iconic, you know, the role was and the character that Chadwick brought to life was, they're never going to recast that role of T'Challa. But because of how impactful the movie as a whole was, they felt the responsibility to keep the story going. So they are going to uh, move forward with it. They have Ryan Coogler, uh, the guy who directed, wrote and directed the first one, working right now um, to try to bring uh, another uh, installment of, uh, of the movie to life. So that, that'll be really cool to see. I'm glad that they um, you know, decided to keep it going, but also decided to honor Chadwick by not recasting the role of T'Challa. Because that'd be weird, right, to see somebody else you know, trying to take over uh, or play him you know, play that role after he kind of defined it. So, um, so yeah, I thought that was a pretty, um, you know, dope announcement that was made. Um, Black Panther 2, man, what you think, Ralph? Uh, well, shout out, shout out the homie uh, Chadwick, man. Uh, that was a powerful brother. Um, I, I think that it's amazing that they're going to allow his legacy to be 
um, Black Panther, which is dope. Um, and it makes it a lot easier to explain to my kids um, how, you know, he's, he, he played different characters, but this is his one. Uh, because for us, he was like, it's the truth. He was like Black Tofu for real, man. He was Frederick Dunn. I mean, he, he played every Black person you could possibly play, like all of them. And then he left us with the Ma Rainey's Black Bottom performance, which was just, again, amazing. Like anything the kids stepped into was just dope. So um, I really, I'm really happy that they, they're allowing his legacy to be sold as, as, as the Panther. Um, and I hope that, you know, as a comic book head, I hope they push it forward because, you know, it just pushes the narrative of Black Girl Magic even further. Because in the comic books, his sister takes over, which just makes it easier. So, like, you know, I, I would like to see, you know, uh, Letitia on screen rocking the Panther suit, talking hella crazy to people, smacking folks up. Um, yeah, I'm all about that life. I, I, I would support that. I, I enjoy um, this plethora, this new plethora of characters that are coming about that are sisters kicking a lot of ass. Um, you know, it, it makes it easier to me to encourage my daughter to kick ass because uh, she can see sisters on screen doing that, and I support that. I've always been that way. So um, I, I like I like the decision. I hope it moves everything forward from the culture and everything about that. It'd be dope. It'd be dope. Definitely, definitely. Uh, Patrice, uh, did you see Black Panther? You saw it, right? I did. I saw it a couple of times. Um, yeah, I did see it. Yeah. 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 So, uh, you know, he coming out with another one and, you know, they announced that they're not going to recast the role. Uh, yeah. you, know, how, you know, how do you feel about that? Um, I think I didn't expect him to um, right. because his role was um, iconic and so powerful. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing the next one. Um, but it's kind of like, um, I don't want to compare it to Bad Boys because I can't, but it's kind of like once I see one movie, like the second, third, and fourth, I don't get as excited about it. I think yeah. his, I think the movie as is with him casting in that role is historic and iconic enough. Um, so, But I will see the second one. I will see the next one. Yeah, that's that's a good point though. I wonder, you know, I'm uh, uh, like Ralph. I'm kind of a comic book head, so it's interesting to see, you know, because they have so much a wealth of like uh, stories to pull from, to to be able to do a good job. But can this? There is the curse of the sequel, you know. Like a lot of movies don't make it past that first that initial movie, and so even though you know comic mo comic book movies have been able to kind of um, you know get past that, like I said, just because of the wealth of stories that they have, but Sometimes they don't, and it's tough to bring back that same magic and that same feel. Uh, Aisha, uh, you, did you, uh, you know, uh, did you hear the announcement? Uh, and how do you feel about them making another Black Panther and not recasting the role? Aisha, you, uh, you there? I don't think All right. Well, we'll edit all of this out of the uh, version that goes on YouTube. Okay. So, <laughs> yeah. So, um, uh, just staying on the same uh, road a little bit. Um, yeah, you did lay it up, California, though. It was real. It was a great layup. I'll give you that. It was beautiful. Right. Yeah. <laughs> was I was I on mute? Am I on mute? Yeah, you were on mute. Okay, there you are. Okay. Sorry. Yeah, because you know I got mute in the car. I'm in the car. Man, uh, oh. I got mute on the phone. So all of y'all in y'all offices. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. 
But no, what I was saying is that uh, that's appropriate that they wouldn't recast, given the fact that um, Chadwick, uh, you know, is passing. Um, but yeah, they should definitely continue the franchise. Um, you know, it was so instrumental for the culture as far as for black people to see ourselves as superheroes and it done being done well. Um, so yeah, I'm all for that. And you know, Ryan Coogler, he's an amazing director, so I'm sure whatever he's putting together will be phenomenal. Right. Yeah. Yeah. What else has he done besides Black Panther? Um, he also did Fruitville Station, I believe. I think. Oh, no, 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 no. He does Creed. Creed. He's a part of the Creed. Creed. Oh, okay, okay. Oh. Yeah. yeah. I didn't mm-hmm. see Fruitvale. You uh, was Fruitvale Station good? I didn't see it. Um, I thought it was. I thought it was really well done. Yeah. Yeah. Who you say, Ralph? He did Creed too, didn't he? Yeah. Yeah. He did. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. So. I didn't see Fruitvale Station because I didn't want to like seeing what it was about. I didn't, I, it was already in a time where it was a lot of racial turmoil going on and I didn't need that, uh, uh, you know, anger toward the white well, race. I'm just saying, when do we ever live in a time when there isn't a lot of racial turmoil? That's, though, that's like, true. It's a good point. Really, so. It's not yeah. like it's been a moment in the past, but I don't know, I'm 45, so 45 years where I've just been like, oh, things are racially like right now. This is great. Yeah, yeah no. <laughs> yeah. It just, it, it ebbs and flows and switches and changes as yeah. far as, you know, who specifically is getting the, the, the brunt brunt, but it, it, doesn't, it, it doesn't go away. No. Right, right. There's some constants, though. I'm just saying. There's just some, there's certain constants. Uh, <laughs> you know what? I will say this about Kugler, man. Um, he's the only director that I can think of right now where I can name at least two of his movies off the grip that somehow or another brought me to like serious man tears. You know what I'm saying? That's uh-huh. it. Uh-huh. Like, I feel like, you know, there's a certain part of you that's just not a man worthy kind of a dude if you didn't cry when Creed was cracking. Like Creed, Creed <laughs> and Fruitvale Station, don't watch Fruitvale Station if you're trying to keep up some kind of manly facade around somebody. Because you're going to break down and, and like cry you're going to have a whole angry black wild out at the end just on somebody like, well, second brother died. Like, it just, he had effect on you. Like, with his movies, man, he's a monster. Uh, and, I, and I do think that's a mark of a very good director or producer where it's a movie and you go into it kind of knowing what's going to happen and they still can just pull at you. Cooler's good for that, man. Yeah. Speaking of yeah. phenomenal movies, did we all see uh, One Night in Miami? Oh, yeah. I haven't seen it yet. I'm gonna check it out amazing. today. You know, this is my day off, so I'm gonna check it out today. Yeah, yeah it was amazing. And I just remember that it's a fictional account. And I'm more than willing to come back and talk about that later. But just remember that that's important, Dave. Okay. Account. Yeah, because I've heard stuff about that night, and so I was wanting to see how well they, you know, depicted the the events of that evening and just like, um, you know, uh, some of the conversations that were supposed to have happened and things of that nature. It's a play. It's a play? Oh, okay. It was a play. Um, but that's all I'm going to say. I don't even want to do all that because you ain't seen it and that ain't fair. And to me, I used to start talking about it for you. Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> I just want to say it was a really well done uh, film. Kudos to Regina King. I will. Oh. Malcolm X acted his ass off. That dude is a monster. Yes, he did. Oh, okay. Yeah, because it's tough. You know, seeing anybody else other than Denzel play Malcolm is like, but uh, it's a couple of people who have done it okay. You know, when uh, what's his name, Van Peebles did it in uh, in something. Yeah, he, Ali. 
Uh, I'm with you on that. There's only one Malcolm X I recognize that is Denzel Washington. Right. Yeah. 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 <laughs> right. Everybody else is just, is just trying it out. Like, you know what I'm saying? But as far as I'm concerned, there's only one Malcolm, and that Malcolm is Denzel. Right, right, right. Not even the real Malcolm, is it? <laughs> yeah, you know what I'm saying? You know how many how many counter-revolutionary brothers we both know got a tattoo of dog on Lauren Hill on their on shoulder and then got Malcolm X as Denzel on their forearm? Right. <laughs> yeah, he, that could be an ode to training day. We don't know for that. Look, it ain't even a light-skinned, dark-skinned thing. It's just a Malcolm day. These guys got Denzel all on their forearm. Right, right. That's Denzel, bro. Yeah, yeah, he's a, he's a great actor. He's a great actor. He's got uh, something coming out uh, on HBO Max, as a matter of fact, that I'm going to check out. All the little things. Yeah. yeah. Little things or something like that. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, yeah, it looks like it should be good. So um, since we were talking about, you know, the, the comic book realm and stuff, I caught the first two episodes of WandaVision. I know, um, yeah, we, <laughs> I, saw you. I know we comic book dudes, so uh, I just wanted to get your opinion real quick. Man, um, I'm in I'm I'm in a state where you know certain things are legal now, uh, just like it is in DC. Um, and my my real first thought on Wandavision is like they did not legalize weed for shit like this. This is <laughs> as hell. I don't understand what's going on. Right. Black and black and white. And why is the only thing in color red? What is wrong with the? I don't get it. <laughs> I'm trying to. I wanted to get it. I don't know what the hell is going on. I watched it sober. I watched it slow. Both times, still fucking confused. I'm not. There's a middle ground that I could watch that shit on and come away with like, this is amazing. I have no idea. What's well, is the, they setting up the story though? I understand Lovecraft Country through a T. I can explain everything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't want to hear. Like that, that WandaVision, they're gonna need some more episodes to make it work. Cause, uh, yeah, that's what they're gonna do. They're working or they're building the story and they're gonna bring it back around. So I saw what they was trying to do. I was I saw exactly what you saw though, how I feel like they probably lost a lot of people with those first two episodes. Just because of how every white sitcom as a WandaVision show until they get the color. Are they gonna do a Sanford and Son episode? I don't know. <laughs> Is that what I'm missing? Like, I don't know. Is it gonna be a good time WandaVision? Uh, the closest they get is the Brady Bunch. Is that happening? Is that what's going down? Yeah. <laughs> like 227. Right. <laughs> uh, messing with the black shows. But yeah, I, um, but yeah, I wanted to uh, talk a little bit about some things that happened in the sports world this, uh, this past week. Um, as a matter of fact, let me, uh, wow. So, um, you know, uh, the basketball world it was sent shockwaves. Uh, this past week when they announced the trade uh, from the Houston Rockets, uh, James Harden, they traded him to the Nets. And here to talk a little bit about the trade is our very own NBA correspondent, Joelle Laguerre. How you doing? I hate that intro, Dave. I you do not like that. Intro? You're not an NBA correspondent? <laughs> if you say so. Came on to specifically talk about NBA and you're not, okay. Well, anyway, tell her about the trade now. You didn't upset me. No, I'm just begging. <laughs> With you. You know, I don't like that pressure. Um, yeah. So I caught, I just thought when you were talking about James Harden, right? Yeah. That's what you said. Sorry. I, 
got on a little late. Um, so what did you say? What's the question? Is there a question that I can no, answer? I was saying, tell him about the trade. Uh, so basically, uh, you know, he wanted to leave the Rockets and uh, they made it happen. Now he's uh, on the Nets with uh, with Kevin Durant, where he wanted to be. What does this mean for the Rockets, for the Nets, and for the NBA as a whole? What's your gotcha, gotcha. Well, I'll start with the, with the NBA as a whole. Um, a lot of people complain about the super team the superest of super teams um, at this point. I don't think we've ever seen anything quite like this. I think people could argue that the Warriors, when Cage went to join Steph and Clay, was a super team, of course. Um, but this is this is a little different. This is a little different, you know, to have KD and um, James Harden both MVPs, which is similar to with Steph and KD, but also with Kyrie, who is, you know, he's a superstar. His own right of course he's won a championship when he returns we'll be able to see what it looks like with the three of them together but um i think it means a lot for the nba first of all the balance of power has kind of switched to the east where the west has always been talked about at least for the past i guess about 10 years being the the powerhouse especially with lebron going to the lakers um three years ago so this is this is changing things this is shaking things up quite a bit um the brooklyn nets are definitely at this point um title contenders, even before James Harden going, I would say that they were title contenders with just KD and Kyrie. So this is, this is something. Their first game was just a couple of days ago. Oh, I see a question. Ralph, Ralph. you have a hand up. <laughs> <laughs> I'll get to you in a second. Um, but the first game, James Harden had a triple double and he had 40 something points. I think it was 46 points. So this is scary. This is very scary. And Kyrie wasn't even playing. Now they were playing the Knicks, who some people would argue is not a great team, but they are looking really good this year. They're looking, they are looking good this year, Ralph. They're looking better than usual. <laughs> Stop that. There's a Knicks. There's a Knicks. There's a Knicks. There's a Knicks. That's your answer that they're the Knicks. I saw that I saw that chip thing that they had. That was fire. You know what I'm saying? But they're the Knicks. Um they're the Knicks. Uh unless you was gonna get redressed, they're the Knicks. Um my question, my question was my question, do you think that as a result of James Harden going to the Nets that there will be more beards in the tri-state area? <laughs> <laughs> Great question. I, I cannot speak to that. Um, as Dave mentioned, I'm an MBA correspondent, less so a fashion um, and beauty, beauty correspondent. Um, I'm not familiar with the trends in that area. <laughs> she thinks brothers walking around, you know what I'm saying, doing their hard thing. I'm going to brothers in D.C. I dress a hella crazy because we got Westbrook. Right, right. Um, and Westbrook ain't really, ain't really represent DC. He showed up before a game with a Soviato sweatsuit on. You know what I'm saying? He'll show up with some Soviato, some hobo. He ain't really representing Mo. I don't like that. I don't like. <laughs> he put the Russ Mo on different. there too. Russ is a very, very different character. Yeah, yeah he's LA, man. He's LA. He, he ain't really, you know, he ain't really ready for for, for what the East Coast truly brings. But we'll see. You know, I expect him to um, to take the Wizards one step closer to the mediocrity that we always expect. Um, 
one step higher than the mediocrity? Right to the line of the mediocrity. Right to the line. Well, the Wizards are currently in the, this, this begins the fifth year of the NBA season, and the Wizards are currently the second to last team in the NBA, according to their record. Consistency um, is key. You're going to suck, suck hard. But, you know, I believe when I came on last time, I was very excited and optimistic about Russell Westbrook joining the Wizards, and I still am. I think there's still some growing to be done. Bradley Beal is balling as we expected he would be, especially with Russ at the point. I think that's a good combo. There's a lot to be worked out. Um, you know, they're, they've got some COVID issues right now. Their last two or three games have been postponed. They had a game today that was postponed due to COVID. So there's that could be impacting their record as well because they haven't been able to play as many games as other teams. So we'll give them, we'll give them a chance to, to, Show us a little something. Ralph, you don't think they can make the playoffs? Um, I think I think Russell Westbrook is going to have like 40 games where he has a triple-double and we'll still lose. But I mean, I, I, I think that, like, I'm like, Dave, I'm outside of it. I still wear the gear. I, I let people know, you know, I, you know, I support. I, I like Kane. They got Jets fans up here. You know, <laughs> you know I, 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 have a, I have a teenage daughter, and uh, in order for me to, to to bond with my daughter in a proper way, um, I no longer watch basketball for like stats. I'm strictly watching for the and really, you know what I'm saying? Like you know, I, now I just look at the suit contracts are and what they're rocking on court. You know what I'm saying? Because you know that that's way more important according to my daughter than the true game itself. So you know, that's, I'm I'm really bonding on uniforms this year. That's where I'm at. Um, <laughs> Go to the uniform. <laughs> um, I think hey, right. there's a high chance outcast uniform with a whole bunch of tail. Um, you know, I think they got a great spot uh, fashion-wise. They look great. They look awesome. Who, who did you say, Ralph, was that? Atlanta. Atlanta. They got a great the Hawks. Game. The Hawks, yeah. They have a great squad this year, too. I think they'll make the playoffs. I think they might make the playoffs before the Wizards. Yeah. Her name, but she has pictures of them everywhere. She thinks he's great. So oh, okay. He's a good basketball player. That's when my son gets older. I'll get back into the stats and and really watch him. But right now, I'm learning to watch the game, not necessarily um, for the stuff that I watched it for my entire life. Now there's way more. You know, some teams just aren't apparently attractive to watch. Um, I was just how they pass, and I thought that I like the Lakers, but apparently they're not a very attractive team. So <laughs> I just not watching them. Yeah, uh, I just not. We are watching uh who she like. Oh man. Uh she likes KD, so she she she's with the Nets a little bit. She'll rock with that. KD. She does like yeah. the Nets. Okay. We'll rock with that. So we'll watch him. Um he also has a new shoe game. Uh the boy from um Minnesota, the Greek black dude, uh Giannis. No, that's Milwaukee. Milwaukee, Giannis. Shoe game coming to America shoes last year. Should have won him the title. Should have won him the title. Won the title. Well, he got MVP second year in a row. Yeah. So, but but yeah, man, it's it's so much going on. They have what nine games today? Yeah. Yeah. So it's going to be a lot going on today. So if you come back next week, you'll have a lot to talk about. If you, if you can make it back through. 
And wow. thank you so much for uh, giving us the skinny on the NBA. Our, our very own NBA correspondent <laughs> give you that title. I don't care if you don't like it. <laughs> thank you so much, Joe. If you want to hang out, we're going to talk about a lot of stuff. But if you got to go, I know you're a busy woman. I do have to run, but great seeing all of you, Patrice. Aisha, are you there? Yeah, I'm right here. Okay. Great seeing you, ladies. All right. <laughs> All right. Bye, Ralph. Nice to meet you. Cool, cool. So, yeah, man. Uh, wanted to, uh, you know, talk a little sports. You know, give her a chance to shine a little bit. Also, um, I don't know if you, any of you saw any of the um the the playoff games for the football, but uh, the Rams, the Ravens, the Browns, and the Saints are done. Uh, that leaves Green Bay, the Bills, the Chiefs, and uh, the Tom Brady team. Uh, that's that's what they called now. It was, they used to be called the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Now they're the Brady's. <laughs> What'd you say, Ralph? The Brady show, man. That's what it is. Yeah. Uh, I'm personally, uh, I'm personally pulling for Buffalo, man. Okay. Yeah, I'm pulling for Buffalo. I like uh, again, um, great music coming out of Buffalo, and I'm a huge fan of Griselda Records. And I basically feel like due to Conway the Machine and West Side Gun, Billy the Butcher shining, football is also shining. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to support the Bills. Uh, and uh, Conway the Machine is the greatest rapper on earth right now. So I'm, I'm rocking with them. I haven't seen them play a single game all season. But you're just rocking with them because of the music is dope. I feel that. I feel that. I don't even need to see them play. I'm good. Right, right. So, uh, so look, man, uh, before the show started, Ralph and I were kind of getting into the conversation about, you know, a lot of the stuff that's been going on uh, uh, around the Capitol and around the inauguration and things of that nature. And I do want to touch on that a little bit. Um, you know, they, everything is locked down right now in preparation for Wednesday for the inauguration. Of course, um, Joe Biden will be inaugurated 46th president of the United States on Wednesday. And, um, uh, like I said last week, white people lost their damn mind. Uh, they flipping out and, uh, you know, uh, ran up in the Capitol, as you all know, and things of that nature. Rob, what was your, like, um, reaction originally when you saw what was happening? Uh-oh, you froze up. You there? I'm there now. Yeah. Oh, okay, cool, cool. But I didn't hear what you said before it froze. I apologize. Oh, okay. No, no problem. I was saying, what was your like? What was your initial reaction when you saw what was going on on Wednesday? Like when you peeped the news or however you found out about it? Um, my first, uh, my first uh, real thing um, as a former media guy was I was afraid for every black cameraman and tech that I knew, uh, black cameraman and black woman, uh, because what I know is in those situations, we fixing us in. Like, it takes us into those situations. Like, all right, hey, go grab your camera and go down there and get us some shots. For real? <laughs> like, that's, that was my first thought. Um, I've got some very good friends uh, that, I'm, that that are still in the media. Um, if you don't follow him, Brackman Booker, B. Booker, uh, is one of the only black reporters from NPR who's been covering politics. People don't even know. He's a Howard grad, sharp guy. He's been all over a lot of the stuff that's been happening. Um, and he's a safe brother that you can trust who's not going to give you some bullshit. Batman Booker, uh, E. Booker on Twitter. Okay. But, like, I know that he had to go up on the hill. I thought he had to go up on the hill and cover that stuff. And when I checked on him, fortunately, it was one of the days that he didn't go in. Hmm. Um, and because traditionally, you don't send reporters in for that 
happening on the hill. That's not something you send big people in for. In fact, over the past couple of <clears throat> administrations, we've ignored that that even happened. It was just a formality. Right. Um, and shout out to uh, Brian and Joe Claire. Uh, I've seen both of them recently. They were up in Jersey and they did comedy. We, we had a mask. It was safe and all that. They had UV lights and all the conspiracy people you need to be safe. It was great. Um, but we, they both said something that I wanted to say too bad, which was, you mean to tell me that these cats stormed up in there and, like, barely any of them got shot? Yeah, yeah. Like, none of them, like, it was amazing. I remember when the sister I lost, who had the bipolar episode and drove up in there and they shot her car to shit. In the car. Yeah, didn't even make it to the step. In the car. And like we said before, Brothers been marching on Washington. Sisters been marching on, marching on Washington. And at no point did anybody look at the other one and be like, hey, dog, hey, man, you know what? Let's just make this shit real. Let's just run on up in there and get this shit cracking without somebody saying, hey, wait a minute. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> Don't get too right. You just came to You're going back to Kansas on the hell down. They will shoot you before you get to the damn steps. Like, that's what we have always thought. We ain't never ever been like, yo, you know what? Today's that day. Right, yeah. Never. Yeah. Ain't never. No matter how mad we've ever got, not ever have we ever just ran up. The Black Panthers ran up on the state capital of California with assault rifles, but didn't go in. Yeah, yeah. He didn't go in. Hey, this, yeah. They could have. They could have. I mean, for me, it was, it was a lot. Uh, it scared the shit out of me. I didn't even go live. That's, that's the easiest way to put that. Um, I was worried about everybody that I know um, that still lives in D.C., Maryland, and Virginia. Um, but also, again, being a native, when I figured out where they were, I also knew that everybody I know was safe. Uh, right. The people that I know were in them places. And, and, I, and I'll say it again, as a person who survived a freak net, as a person who survived some of the early picnics that used to go down in D.C. at Rock Creek and other places, mm-hmm. they didn't want you to get there. You couldn't get there. They were right. traffic. You also end up on Embassy Road, way, way, way up northwest off Massachusetts. Right, right, exactly. Back down on Georgetown Road, so you can only leave and go into Virginia, where there were cops waiting right inside of the bridge. So if they didn't want you in the city, you couldn't get in the city. So, in my opinion, all they need to do is reroute all that traffic so they ain't got no choice but to come right out by National Stadium and the D.C. United Stadium, which only gives you the options in the Anacostia and you have right past Homeland Security into where the rest of the black people are. And I got a feeling on a lot of this shit to stop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can I interject here? So the other part that we are talking about is um, the fact that uh, these people have boats and they're coming in by water. And that's why you see the Coast Guards out. And that's why you see, like, I just went for my walk. You see the boats on, on, on the Anacostia River with rifles on, on the front of the boat. So it's not me. Uh-huh. They're coming in by boat? Absolutely. Absolutely. They have, they have boats. <laughs> So that's why that's why you see the Coast Guard and all the out there. This is, you know, this is. Oh, you 
And yeah, I don't think yeah. you really understand. And we've um we've been talking about this for for months now. Like you know, this is this was number one inevitable. It was going to happen. It was just a matter of of when and what event would prompt it to happen. Right. Um. So it's definitely it's not a matter of what street they're gonna take. They're coming from they're coming from air. You if you've seen a lot of you know a lot more like military um you know. Planes and helicopters and everything.
to further put you into that 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 mindset. Um, essentially, what it is is a mindset of mediocrity. Like, oh, if that was if that was such and such, you know, that would have happened. Da, 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 da. Well, we already know that. You ain't said nothing new. We been living that. So, you know, I think this is the time that we need to dig deeper and go inward and really focus on our family structures and building within our community and buying land and farms and, you know, all types of stuff way beyond. And guns. And guns, exactly. And teaching our children how to shoot. Okay. Right. Okay, that's how I agree with I agree with everything you just said. The only, the only slight difference, Trees, if I may, um, for the first time in a long time, uh, I've been watching more news as of late than I've been watching, period. And probably because I'm not back in the area. So it, it's not hitting with the same impact that it did. But the the, the other difference is the fact that, uh, as I was telling Dave beforehand, I've been having these quarantine epiphanies and all this stuff that's been happening. I'm watching it because it's, 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 it feels like it's been taking pressure off of me that I've been, been holding for years. Like, the whole idea that I was angry or, or I was militant or that I was I was talking this stuff and it was crazy. No, nah, no, nah, I wasn't any of that. I was telling you what I was seeing, but at the same time, it was easier for people to label me as militant or angry and stuff like that. All I really realized about most of this is I was never angry. A lot of us weren't angry. A lot of us aren't angry. A lot of us aren't pissed off. A lot of us, a lot of us saw this coming as an as, as an inevitable. And I agree that the, the move has definitely been family. The move has definitely been understanding the land and stuff that you have as far as resources. Um, I definitely agree that now is a time where you see what's going on and you can make a valid and honest choice on how far you really want to get involved with this stuff. And I would argue that most of us don't really need to get involved with any of this shit. We, the most civic thing that you can do right now, point blank, as far as I was concerned, happened back in November. And if you were in Georgia, it happened in January. And as long as you voted and did your part to make sure that you took care and possibly, apparently, one of the best or safe elections that's ever going to happen, you've done your part. Everything else is staying home, raise your kids, and keep your family safe. As far as I'm concerned, there was nothing else to do. Any of these people, like I was telling Dave before, I don't prescribe that serious, not one of these conspiracy theories that's floating around about any of this crap. Because when we were telling y'all real conspiracy theories, nobody believed us. <laughs> yeah. So y'all that they were spying on Martin Luther King, nobody believed us. We told y'all that there were black people who had brought crack into the neighborhood that were government agents, nobody believed us. But now there's a thing on Netflix I just watched where they were basically saying, yeah. That's what happened. That's what happened. Yeah. I, think, I think the other thing, too, we have to remember is that Racism, racism is a social construct, and it's more about it's it's more about the have and the have not, and keep and making sure that there are a pool of poor people or lower middle class, whatever you want to call it, available to, you know, the the one percenters or five percent, the six percent, you know, of the the wealthy people that they are going to be able to pull from. And so what we're seeing right now is a shift in demographics, um, classism or whatever you want to call it, where you're going to have somewhere, what are they, what was the last number, like 40 million people that are going to be evicted at some point. Um, you're seeing a shift in 
uh, income and demographics. And I believe that all of this stuff is just, it's just distractions. And a lot of the stuff that we think are conspiracy theories are not conspiracy theories. <laughs> They're actually happening. There have been multiple books written about them. There are people that are, have been in, you know, higher positions that have written about uh, things that are going on. Um, you know, we're, I just believe, you know, a lot of this stuff is distractions and we're not really paying attention because we're focusing on worldly things. And so, you know, this this is a, this is our fight, but it's our fight from an inward inward standpoint. Meaning, like we gotta focus on building us, like as individuals. I'm gonna tell you something, and I probably shouldn't say this, but my son said this. Uh-oh. <laughs> my son is, is is smart as a whip, and he and he's very very much an independent thinker. And this will probably prompt a conversation. When he saw what they were doing at the Capitol, he said, Ma, do you see what those do you see what they did? They went they went directly to the source. We stood on the streets and begged. That's what he said. And I said I said, You do realize that we wouldn't have got in the door. Yeah, yeah, said, we can't get to the source. Said, no, no, no. He said he said some people would have died, but it would have been, you know, a re- like a revolution. And I said, yeah, you're right. It would have been a war. Like, it wouldn't have been escorts and all that, but... I mean, in some respect, the young man is correct. I don't necessarily disagree with him, but um, as I'm having to deal with mine, I got an 8-year-old son and a 14-year-old daughter, and I got to explain this stuff to them. And, you know, I've I've had the, the... I've been fortunate, I guess, to live a life where I was fortunate to go to an HBCU I was fortunate to deal with black organizations at their best and at their worst. I've I've had black media and white media, for lack of a better word. And all of those things don't really matter to eight and fourteen year old children. Like <laughs> the lens that they see things in um is normally is normally rather two D. Like they see things and they understand it. Um but fortunately or unfortunately I haven't lived enough life yet to really understand some of this stuff. Um and I'm not saying that he doesn't understand it at all. I hope that's not the way I'm coming off because he, he clearly does. I think he, I think he has a, a right look on it. But again, it's like we said, like I said in the beginning, we've marched and done everything peacefully or correctly, as some would call it, for a very long time, and still got our heads knocked in. And then when cats did try to go extra hard and man up or woman up and try and take a gun, whether it was Asada or whether it was Colin Ferguson doing his crazy shit, ultimately. You know, they still got popped. They still got shot. These, which makes this different. And if I were a young person, I would look at this totally different because what I just saw was a whole bunch of people who had a strong conviction take a move and do some really serious, that was serious what they did. And to every young black kid out there who saw that, that it sent a different message to them than I promise it sent to all four of us. And we won't even be able to interpret that fully for years. This is something that is, for lack of a better word, paradigm shifting. Yeah, yeah. We are doing the best fight our internal battle, as I as I really agree with what you're saying, Patrice. This is this is this is a weird time um, for awareness and teaching um, and trying to make sure that, that that not only we can understand this, but our children can understand this from a historical standpoint. So that crap like this isn't repeated again. 
And, and I think for me, that's the other thing about this. Like my, my kids, trying to even get my kids to understand what Republicans really are or who Republicans really are, because they are not what we see right now. And they don't understand the legacy of people like Ralph Bunch. They don't understand the, the legacy of the, of the sleeping car porters. It's so much for black people to get to a certain point, and they were all Republicans. Yeah. I'm not saying that we all need to just shift parties, but I am saying that historically, our kids and our people need to understand what's going on right now because this is unprecedented. It's different. It's different, definitely. Yeah, it's not. This is not your normal thing. And I think even our greatest conspiratorial uh, thinkers, black or otherwise, nobody saw this shit coming. Not like this. Yeah, yeah. I think that, uh, you know, uh, like what you said was true. And I think that um, uh, the idea of government and democracy and things of that nature only works when there's compromise and when there's balance. And so when that when that starts to shift and both neither side wants to compromise, neither side wants to talk it out. And they're at the point where these uh, factions of each side have decided that it's war. Then all the people in the middle get, you know, we, we're caught in the middle of this. We like the kids watching the parents fight, you know. Yeah. Collateral yeah. damage. And again, let's take this away for a second. To take it away from the racial aspect of this, because the racial aspect, to be honest, is easy. And look at things like the Lincoln Project, where these were pissed off Republican white folks, pissed off at the president. The stuff they've done and that, that they did was, was incredibly hard, and it was a tactical move. Mm. It was a tactical move. So a lot of what we're seeing right now, for me, um, on one hand, as a comedian, is crazy because a lot of this stuff is right. I can't write some of the jokes. The dude tased himself in the middle of the doggone Capitol. Yeah. <laughs> That's hilarious to me. That just shows the ineptitude we're dealing with. And, and the fact that these cats, you know, my man who, who made them run all up through the chambers and stuff, he literally teased that dude into chasing him. Yeah. Hey, we kept pushing. Come on, what you gonna do? Come on, what you gonna do? And they ran around and chased him. Like some of the stuff that people did in order to save lives or to make things happen was exemplary stuff. Um, but then we also. <laughs> Um, another aspect of this, I have a friend of mine who has an Airbnb that was rented out by some of the Trump people. And he literally called me and was like, man, I'm looking on my camera and I can see these dudes rallying up. And, and then I'm looking on my camera for the backyard and I can see these dudes are all sitting around, you know, talking about going up there and doing whatever. And it was like Monday morning, I was all ready to turn them in. It was like, but then they sent me the exit note. And he was like, dude, they were the nicest racists ever. They cleaned the house from top to bottom. They stripped all the sheets. They left extra food. They left me thank you notes. They left me a $50 tip. He was like, I want to turn them in, but they were kind of good tenants. Like, you know, like. There's a lot of angles on this, again, where I don't think we all are going to see the, the, the whole mosaic of it for, for quite some time. Yeah. Also, yeah. that the fear of it all is is quite um crippling for lack of a better word it is it's something where you can either get knee deep into it and lose yourself in all the bullshit that's going on or you could take it from a better approach and extract yourself from that shit and concentrate on the things that are important to you your household your family your people around you to make sure that they're straight because ultimately you know we're still we're still in a quarantine so, right. <laughs> like right now Cause I don't feel no fear. Like, but what you said at the end about, you know, 
making sure our family's okay. I don't, I'm not, I don't feel no fear. Like, I do, let me tell you this, but I, and I know some of you might disagree with me, but I have a lot of friends and friends who have spouses who are officers and who are military and who are, one of which is my nephew who will be working the inauguration. Now I do, you know, I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm hopeful that they stay safe. So for me, you know, I'm kind of, you know, both sides on that, that end where I, you know, I, I, you know, I'm praying for those in blue that are, you know, essentially going to be at the middle of a civil war in the streets. That's what it's going to turn into. I got, I got a cousin right now who's, who's, uh, who's uniform secret service. And when all this shit first started popping off, he was in, we, we were worried about whether or not he was at work. And then we turned to the front page of the Washington Post and we see him sitting up there in riot gear, you know what I'm saying, pushing away, the, you know, the, the shit that was happening. So I, that's what my fear part comes in, not for myself. But I know people who, who, who work cameras. I know people who work mics. I know people who, uh, I got a cousin that's also working downtown and he had to turn down working um, the inauguration because he was concerned about all this extra security and stuff that's going on. I fear for the folks who have no choice, whether it's because of their livelihood or because of a check or because of this is what they do. I fear for those who in the next couple of days and what's going to happen. And, and really, I'm hoping and praying that nothing really happens. That's where I'm at. I'm hoping and praying that nothing really happens. But for me, it's a super fear because I know those streets back there like the back of my hand. And if something were to happen, I would love to be the one going up there and helping people to get the hell out of there and make sure that they were safe. But I can't do that now. I'm here. So that's my fear. My fear. My parents went to Springfield. If something were to happen, that's the other part of the Like, you're not, you blew my mind with that thing. And I can't stop thinking about that. But the other thing that people are not talking about and something I've been telling people up here about, you see the suburb, you see the riots and stuff that happened in D.C., but they're not showing you the kids that are out marching out in Fairfax, out in Rock Weir County, out in Prince William County, out out in Montgomery County. Like, it was in the suburbs. It was in the suburbs, and I hadn't seen a lot of things over the years, but, like, protesting in the suburbs? In the suburbs? Shutting down streets in the suburbs? Like, sitting down so people can't go to Krispy Kreme and Walmart? I ain't never seen this. Yeah, but we also must remember is this is no longer a protest. Oh, no, not anymore. it, It really was never. It's not a... It's not a protest. It's a revolt. I think it's what it is. I don't disagree with that. Um, yeah. I, I, on one hand, like I said, I was telling Dave earlier, I, I don't feel the uh, the pressure of anger anymore. And, I, and I'm and i happy about that. To be honest, I feel a lot lighter. But I definitely can say that one of the things that pushed us, for lack of a better word, up to New Jersey was the fact that, you know, Going to the sheets was a problem. <laughs> going to Walmart was starting to be a problem. Where like you know, they weren't talking to me. I'm six foot four, and when I feel like it, my voice is deep as hell. So you know, if I'm walking in Walmart, I got. I wish I had my mask. My mask is Conway the machine, the bottom of my face. It looks hell crazy. It looks real. 
right. you know, nobody was saying anything to me back at home. Right. Nobody was going to walk up to me and question any of my political views back at home, just on sheer side, straight up. But I'd be in the store, and they might say something to my wife, or might say something to some, some, some Latin or Asian individual in the store, and I would let that shit ride. Right. And after a while, it got to be too much. I don't want to just go to the cheeseburger and have to protect the rights for everybody around me because one asshole wants to be a Trump dude talking hella crazy. And I'm happy that I don't have that here. Right. And where are you? You in, where are you? I'm in New Jersey. Oh, Jersey. Okay. I'm in New Jersey. I'm in an undisclosed tent in New right, Jersey. You, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <Undisclosed> <laughs> Not just a tent, an undisclosed tent. That's very undisclosed tent. A lot of privacy. But yeah, man, there's so many angles that we could look at this whole situation from. I don't want to spend too much time on it. Um, but I, um, I appreciate you guys' opinion. And this is a conversation that we're going to wind up having, you know, a lot more just because of what's going on, you know, um, and, and just new things happening on a regular basis uh, with what's going on. So, um, and I mean, I think it's something that we need to try to reach a resolution on as far as where we stand. And I think Patrice made a huge step toward that. You both did just talking about, um, uh, you know, what we need to do in terms of focusing on our family, focusing on, you know, ourselves and keeping ourselves uh, in, in a good place, just because uh, like, like we've been saying, this is not our fight, but we know that we need to keep ourselves in a good place because at any second it could turn into our fight. And so we need to be in a place where we're ready, where we're focused, where we're paying attention to what's happening without being consumed by it. Patrice, you had like an um, a awesome statement uh, on your on your page a couple of days ago. What was it? Observe but don't absorb or something like that? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and that's 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 exactly what it is. Like, try not to be so caught up in that emotional side of it that they push on us to the point where it skews our vision. Focus and pay attention to what's going on, you know, and uh, you follow, you know, your 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 focus. So uh, that's so important. But um, I do want to talk to uh, uh, my brother Ralph Cooper a little bit about his uh, the the life and times of a uh, of a VA dude in in Jersey. Uh, that's uh, <laughs> that's a book title too. I'm aware we're gonna we're gonna get to working on that. But um, all right, that I'll give you the forward. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. Yeah, it's been a, it's been a shift. I'll tell you that. Uh, and um, you know, I'm very uh, I'm a very Southern East Coast kind of guy. Truth um, be told, I've learned nothing else. I'm very much a dude from the area, more so than I'm anywhere else in the world at this point. Like I'm, I'm a, I, like I told you, I'm a, I'm a Virginia DC dude, uh, like to the, to the, to the core. Like I'm in the store, and my kids are looking at Jordans, and I'm looking at nine nine sixes. Like, oh, those are nice. Those are. I'm not, I, uh, I've been, I've been listening to more go go <laughs> as of late than I've been listening to in quite some time. Um, and I gotta admit, man, Jersey is different. Like, uh, simply because, like I said, at home, there's this, there's, the air is back in the DMV. Like, there's no question about it. Um, and, and if you could avoid to breathe that air, keep doing it. Um, <laughs> but, like, you know, it's, 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 it's difficult. And, uh, up here, uh, two different things. And, um, Soccer-wise, you know, I'm still, I'm a soccer head. I can't, 
it's not, I got to, there's a game today at three o'clock and that's actually the only thing I'm thinking about once I get done with this. And um, when I first moved up here, um, I was in the store, I had on my little Conway mask, but also had on my soccer jersey. I was watching the game on the phone, I was in a shop right. I was watching the game on my phone and my team unexpectedly scored. And I think you've seen it happen before, Dave, but like when I'm watching a game, I, I don't really care right if I tend to zone out. And I'm jumping and yelping in the store like, yeah, we scored. Wow. Oh, yeah. All right, and then I care about the game. I got to talk to you about your mask. And it blew me away. It, it, it blew me away. I, I, I didn't know what to say. And this dude, I tried to do what to talk to you about my mask. And then 20 minutes, I couldn't shake him. I, I couldn't shake him. I went around the Olive Bar twice. Um, he wouldn't leave me alone. He was nice, though. He was a very nice guy. Um, and I've been to the uh, the store up here. My mother-in-law got a kick out of it because it blew my mind again. Um, maybe because I'm Southern, maybe because I'm a big black dude. I think that when I walk out with my mask on, that I might intimidate people at times. And it's not my intention. I just like what I like. I, mean, I had to go to the store to get some garlic. And I'm standing there with my mask on. I'm trying to get some garlic. And this little old frail white lady walks up to me and she was like, look here, sonny, you don't know what you're doing. You're looking for garlic? Let me show you how to look for garlic. This is what you need. This is what you need, son. Don't get a garlic bump like this. Do you smell it? She's breaking it. She's putting on my mask. And she, I'm looking at the little white lady. And she goes, ooh, you're a big one, aren't you? You seem like a nice guy. Let me look at you. Oh, but you got a ring. Your wife shouldn't let you left the house like that. This ran me. Do you hear me? And like, you know, I'm walking her out and by, I don't even know who she was. And, and like, and I came home and told my wife, my mother in law, they're like, that's Jersey. And I said, I got, okay. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> how you, how you, a nice little sugar mama up in Jersey, man? No, son. They, they, they are, they are, um, they are a little bit more open up here than I was expecting them to be. And, 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 um, if I were a younger, single, uh, an unhappy man, I probably would be in these streets, but this is in my life, every time I even partially feel like a young lady or a woman is giving me that look that like, you know, hey, how you doing? I literally run to the bathroom. Like, I can't explain what has happened to me. I am a sham of the dude that I once was. Like, I have literally turned back to a 16-year-old young man who's not used to somebody saying, hey, you know, you look good, right? Like, oh, no, I'm good. My wife is violent. She's from here. All right? Like, my wife will cut you, and I don't want nobody getting cut on my behalf. Yeah. I'm sensitive dude in that respect. So, yeah. it's easier for me to run in the bathroom or hide in the stall than it is for everybody to get cut. Right. You saving lives. That's, that's... <laughs> yeah. I explain that shit. That's, that's the way I look at it. I'm just, that's what I'm doing. You know what I'm saying? I'm saving lives. And, um, you know, it's, 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 it's a lot to do with the fact. I'm, I'm super blessed that uh, a lot of what Patrice said really hits home, uh, more than she may even know. Um, I've, I've been blessed, man. My family, uh, my family is dope. I don't have any other way to say it. Uh, my family is dope, man. We, uh, we came up here to Jersey. My, my, my mother-in-law is a Capricorn, and my father, my grandfather-in-law is a Capricorn. Uh, so, uh, real laid-back kind of individuals. Um, 
I'm fortunate. I've seen a lot of families breaking up during the pandemic, and mine personally has gotten closer. Um, oh, yeah. I'm very thankful for that. Um, you know, when, when Patrice was talking about making sure that we pay attention to what's at home, uh, not only is this quarantine supposed to keep us here, but both of my kids are in school. You know what I'm saying? And like, you know, that that is important. They're not, my son and my daughter both are virtual. And while my daughter is doing amazingly well, I'm very proud of her. Um, it's been a bit more of a struggle for my son. He's working his butt off. I'll give him that. But, you know, like I tell him, I can only imagine what it's like to be in the third grade um, and having to sit in front of a computer, this same computer you were playing games on, by the way. Um, <laughs> now you're going to be totally serious on and, you know, try and learn. So it's really difficult right now. And um, I'm, I'm blessed that my, my, my family uh, is dope. And it's, you know, I don't, I don't, uh, I don't mind waking up and seeing them every day. Um, I don't think I've gotten sick of anybody yet, which is in itself um, a win. Uh, right. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, it's been good up here in Jersey, man. It's been good times. Christmas is dope. New Year's is dope. Um, it was a different spin on it, mainly because we're adults. But you know, it was cool, man. It's it's, it's been a, it's been a good trip. Um, and I also feel like Jersey has done everything they can to make a Southern boy. Um, feel at home because of course right after I get here they legalize weed and I was like y'all want me to stay you want me to that's that's what it is New Jersey wants me to stay they don't they don't want me to leave they were like we got you we got you hooked on the women we got you hooked on the food your kids like it here oh and it's legal to smoke weed so you can stay right you can you can leave if you want to but you're coming back that's yeah. that's what Jersey's done to me they, they Jersey is I also that Jersey earned me. I'm, I'll probably end up having a, um, a Jersey license and all that kind of stuff. Wow. Um, but like I tell people, uh, I don't care what that license tells you. I'm from the area. I'm from Virginia. Right. And, uh, that ain't going to change. You know, I, but, 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 man, uh, they, they, they twist a the damn good arm up here. I tell you that, man. I, they twist a an arm, man. They, they, they make it real hard to say no. Yeah, it's okay to be a transplant, man. It's okay to, uh, you know, to, to, to say you from from uh, Jersey by way of Virginia. <laughs> uh, everything that I need as a sign to say that Ralph, it's okay for you to leave, literally happened. My high school, I went to Robert E. Lee High School. Now my high school is John H. Lewis High School. All I wanted was the name to change. The whole time I was there, change name. <laughs> They finally changed the name, yeah. Been a Redskins fan my entire life. My grandmama used to say, you can't be a self-respecting black man and be a Redskins fan because of Jack Kent Cook. She hated the name. I hated the name. I'm a Cowboys fan. Then my whole life, I hated the name. I'm a doggone Redskins. And what happens when I leave? Not only do they change the name, but these guys win the division. Somehow or another, they look at Brooke. They changed the damn Everything it was time for you to go. That was it. It happened. Now, all the names you have been upset about for years have changed. You have done your duty. Your anger wasn't was was not in vain. You may leave, Ralph. And, that, and that, I'm telling you, that was the capper. Jersey changed the lead. Like you can stay here now. We got him. You've you done your best. We got him now. You can come on home, son. Yes. So, hey, look, we talked uh, a little bit before the show also about, um, you know, about your your profession, which is your um, 
the yeah. comedian, and um, we're talking about comedy as a whole. And uh, I asked you if you had saw Kevin Hart's last stand-up, just because it was so uh, universally panned. Like, a lot of people didn't like it, and we talked about different theories as to why, you know, it didn't maybe stand up to the other ones. So, um, uh, just real quick, what was your opinion of it? Uh, we saw? Uh, my opinion, uh, quickly, was that D.R. Uh, Cole is the winner of, of comedy on the internet during the quarantine. And this is Dion Cole, right? Why, yes. When you look at Kevin's special, Kevin was trying to give, this is my opinion, Kevin sees this shit, I'm just talking, all right? I met before that, before them get all upset with me, all right? Even Eminem put the shit album, it happens, all right? The point is, <laughs> it, it, it dropped the way it dropped because he did not, I personally think he did not have the chance, an opportunity to go from room to room and work shit out. So that when he did the shit in his house, even though it was very comfortable because he was in his house, yeah. Very comfortable. It didn't come off the way that I felt like he was trying to make it come off. In comparison to, if you haven't seen it on um, YouTube, Dion Cole has a special called Dion Cole Working It Out. And what he did was he taped himself trying to work out jokes for a special that was supposed to come out that never came out. So instead of wasting all that footage and those jokes, he basically cut the best of that shit together and put it out. And it's brilliant. Okay. It's brilliant. Um, Kevin at this point is used to having super polished looking events. His stuff always looks polished. It's, I mean, it always looks super top notch. But um, way back in the day, when I when I had the opportunity to meet and listen to him talk, he he used to stress the fact that it's not so much how you perform when you're in the glitzy glamorous spots. It's about how you perform when you're in the smaller spots where there might be one or two people or a bunch of folks that you don't know and you're trying to do your thing. Um, I think if people would have saw him working out the jokes for the special versus the special, it might have been better. Okay. Yeah, yeah. You know, I was saying the same thing. Like, all the ingredients was there. It was quality work, but the, his timing wasn't on, his uh, his delivery wasn't there, and it's all indicative of not working your material. So, yeah, I definitely agree. Uh, I'll say this, and I'll let you get home, like, it's this simple. I, I only did, oh, God, maybe 30 gigs last year, and that's low. And, I mean, that happened in the first half of the year before the quarantine started out. My 30th gig was in Brooklyn. Um, it's the only gig I did in New York, and it was fucking horrible. <laughs> it was so bad. Um, it was bad because... Between gig 29 and 30, there was a good six and a half month stand where the only people I could perform for were in my house. Right, yeah. My kids don't think so. there's no encouragement there. Like, there's no, like, I can't make jokes in front of them. They'd be like, whatever, Dad. You know what I'm saying? Like, at this point, my kids are, are throwing lives back at my ass. Like, I got to stay on my game and shit. Like, but, right. you know, that, that not having a crowd, um, that not having a crowd to perform in front of, um, was way more impactful than I than I thought it would be. So again, when I watch, I literally I I don't know a who's been doing it for some time did not watch his special and not understand what was really going on. Right. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it, it's 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 it's, uh, it's tough out here right now. Yeah. Hey, you know, yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. 
I'm sorry. Um, I have to I have to get off the call because I'm about to go in somewhere. It's gonna be super noisy, so I have to hang up. But um, no, I just no wanted to wish you I just wanted to wish you the best in your um in your career, Ralph. Because I know the quarantine. I'm entrepreneur. It's, it's affected everybody, and we kind of got to learn a new way to do things and blend in. And it's not all that easy. So I just wanted to wish you the best and let you know that I was signing off. Okay. All right, Patrice. Okay. Thank you so much. Yeah. All right. I'll talk to y'all later. All right. Bye -bye. See you next week. Yep. Bye. 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 So yeah, and then there were two. No, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. There you go. But yeah, so I did want to talk to you a little bit about what you just touched on, actually, and that's like um the rust from not performing. Like that's definitely a thing. Uh, is there a way to address that, or you just got to get back into the swing of things, you know, get back to getting uh, stage? The only real way to, to, to perform in front of a crowd is perform in front of a crowd. Yeah. Uh, when I watched, uh, like I said, Joe Claire and Eddie Bryant were here um, the week of my birthday. I want to say like the ninth they were here. Mm -hmm. uh, and there just happened to be a, a place um, that's eerily reminiscent of RFD, for real. <laughs> right around the corner from me. Um, and there's some super positive, it's black owned, um, which is super dope. Um, and uh, they're trying to be a black comedy venue, which is also dope. Um, but there's adjustments. Um, there's adjustments and everything right now to me is a technical adjustment, it's technique. Uh, the, the, uh, the easy one is when you're on stage now, everybody in front of you has a, has a mask on. Right. Um, I knew that Joe and Eddie were coming. I intentionally did not ask for stage time uh, because I did not feel I was prepared. Okay. And part of that comes from standing in a standing on stage and you're looking out at a room full of people with different masks on. Right, right. And you can't tell if they're smiling, if they're laughing, if they're pissed. Uh, you hope that everybody delivers food right before you get on stage, so they got to take their mask off to eat. To eat, right? Which is almost like cheating. Like, you know, it's like, oh man, they got their mask off. Right. Uh, at the same time, I ain't gonna lie. Uh, my wife and I both, um, when we came home, we didn't even touch each other. We literally like scrubbed, <laughs> like scrubbed down, like before we even got to bed with each other, because it was like, I don't know what we were just around. Like, so right, the, yeah. This is weird paranoia, and 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 I don't think, um, I, I I don't think that people really understand that the normal that we're used to, that we were all used to, we're never going back to, and I don't think that that's a bad thing. I don't think that that's a bad thing. I think that the normal in a lot of situations across the board um, was probably not a good situation. Yeah. So it gives us all the opportunity to, to appreciate things more when we go back out, uh, to appreciate things while we're staying in. Um, that's the way I'm looking at it. Like, you know, there, it's, it's uh, like I tell my kids, it's too easy to get angry. Um, and the only people that you're going to be around are the same people all the damn time. So getting angry ain't going to do you no good. Right, right, right. Brother, you wake up in the morning, he's still there. Um, <laughs> you know. Uh, right now, my my big push for everything is, is about trying to appreciate as much as you can, um, appreciate the people around you, appreciate, um, you know, being able to wake up and, and, and just, you know, do your thing, regardless of whatever it is every day. 
because uh, we ain't learned nothing else over the pandemic. Um, the shit that you love can get taken away from you like that. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, that's that's definitely one of the um, one of the major lessons of this whole thing. So I um I want to I want to take it back a little bit and ask you if you remember when you were younger, if when people would ask you what you wanted to be when you grew up, do you remember what you would tell people? Yeah, I do. Um, I wanted to be a lawyer. <laughs> uh, yeah, for the longest, actually, that's what I wanted to be. Okay. I wanted to be a lawyer, and my dream job would have been um, working on working, uh, being a being a disc jockey on the radio. Mm-hmm. Um, I enjoy staying up late listening to radio and Dr. Demento and all that kind of stuff. Right. Um, I can promise you, I can promise you that at no point in my childhood did I ever imagine that I'd be working for the people I worked for or doing the stuff that I did. Right. Uh, that was a bonus. And I hated journalism as a kid, too. I hated journalism and journalists uh, as a kid. Hated them. Hated them. Utter passion. Wouldn't even take a journalism class. Didn't take a journalism class. And ended up being a fucking journalist. Uh, (laughs) That's how it happens. But I always like to ask that question just because it's always interesting and I think helpful to see that sometimes where you start is not always where you end up and that's not a bad thing. Like you just said about change and how like um, we'll never go back to what was normal and that's okay. It's not a bad thing. It's like I think people get so caught up in mourning what was that they don't realize the 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 value and, and the new that's coming. The you know the the value in the change. And so uh, that's something that's important to do just because life the only thing that's constant in life is change. You know so mastering that is a huge part of. Uh, you know, the life of winning the game of life. So, um, so yeah, man, definitely. I love to show like how, you know, people start out one way. It's okay to change and evolve and, you know, fall, fall into what you love and, um, you know, and, and do it and monetize it and, and make a living. So with that being said, like, um, uh, it's, it's funny asking you these questions because a lot of stuff I've asked you and I know, but I want, you know, people that don't know to know, but um uh, comedy, like how did you find comedy and realize that it was something that you could do on a level where you'd be at the level that, that you are now? Um, I call it, uh, okay. Whenever you have a job, whenever you, like when you get out of college, if you go to college, whenever you get out of high school, whatever, you decide to work on your career path. I look at it like you are a train in a tunnel. And with certain careers, that tunnel is really, really, really long. So you never really get to see the end of the tunnel. But then there are certain times in life where somebody throws the emergency brake on your fucking train. And that light is right there. And um, with me and comedy, that's how it happened. I was, I was working, and um, I would say that I definitely, um, as in the case of most things in my life, was running my mouth. And got into some political stuff in a job that I really enjoyed and didn't understand how that worked. And um, next thing I know, something that was a security blanket was ripped out from under me. And um, I literally sat down and thought about, okay, I want to do something next that um, I really can use my degree in. I want to do something that I enjoy doing. Um, I thought about, um, I was when I was a kid, I used to be a, a youth pastor. And I thought about going back to the church, but then I was like, I am in no shape to be anybody's pastor. I cuss, drink, and smoke way too much, so that's out the window. Um, then I was like, maybe I could be a motivational speaker. 
But then I was like, I ain't really motivating nobody. Um, that's a lot of pressure on my shoulders. I don't want that. Um, so <laughs> that went out the window. And then I was like, well, maybe I could be a comedian. So I literally started getting books about um, comedy. And um, I, I read um, I read Damon Wayans' uh, autobiography because he's one of my favorite comics. I, uh, I read through prior stuff. And then most importantly, I spoke to my mother. Uh, and told my mom uh, one morning over breakfast, you know what, I think that I'm going to try to be a comedian. And without looking up from her food for the first time in my life, she was like, you know what, you might be good at that. Word? Shit. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'll give it a shot. Mom, stamp it. You already know. Hey, look, man, my mom, hey, man, my mom don't stamp a damn thing. My mom said, yeah, you might be good at that comedy shit. Yeah, I'm gonna go ahead and give it a run. Well, I said I might be good. Right, yeah. It was, uh, it was honestly the impetus that really did it. I, I had been um, I had been as they call it moonlighting. I was visiting comedy clubs, I was going out to open mics, um, I was I was uh trying to understand what I was looking at. This was back in oh god, I'm old, two thousand and five. Oh. And um I I felt that I could do it. Uh, my background is deep in speech and all that kind of stuff, so Getting up in front of people and speaking wasn't a fear. Um, and to be honest, again, I've just been blessed. I've been lucky. I've had some really dope opportunities uh, while I've been doing comedy, and I've had some cool things happen um, that didn't necessarily equate to a lot of money, but it was some cool-ass things, so I'll, I'll be all right with that. And, <laughs> you know, it's, um, it's, it's weird. I'm at, a, I'm at a point now where I have to, uh, uh, Patrice hit the nail on the head. You have to figure out a way to shift. Um, going forward, um, when you know that, um, shit, Broadway is closed till 2022, I guess, at this point. Yeah, yeah. Oh, so, you know, I can promise you that there won't be a stand up scene without Broadway. So, okay, yeah, figure it out, you gotta figure something out. Um, and I'm not as pressed as a lot of these other, there's some people I think that are super pressed right now. Uh-huh. And like we've been saying the whole time, and I and, and I don't feel bad about it one way at all. Uh, my, my bigger priority are people in my house. So the the urge um, that I might have had when I was younger in comedy to, I just got to get on stage. Like I'm itching to get on stage. I'm itching. I got to go. I got to go. Um, I very much have subdued. I'm, I'm not, I want to get out. I want to go, but I'm very aware that where the fuck am I going to go? Right, right, right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Comedy club will be open one week. Um, and you'll see them putting up stuff on Instagram about how great night they had. We did all our outdoor shows. And then two weeks later, the dance spot is closed. Right, yeah. yeah. At the least. And, and, and even back in D.C., sadly, all of the, the, the venues that aren't the D.C. Improv are closed. Right, yeah. And it's to the point that when you can get out and do comedy, the whole thing is going to start over. Right, it's going to have to. Yeah, yeah, definitely. You know, right now, I think the best you can do is just ride, you know, ride whatever wave you can. Um, and when things get back to a point, and hopefully they do get back to a point that you can do what you can do, you know, you jump back in. But right. um, at this point, you know, I talk with my wife a lot about, you know, it's it's almost being forced to find another career. At right. this point. I'm not going to say uh, I'm not going to do light to the idea of quitting being a comedian because that's not really in my plans but on the same tip 
um, I know that I have to do stuff to provide, like, you know, a, a, you know, in pandemic, the, the pandemic checks ain't going but so far. Right. Um, I can't buy rims. Uh, <laughs> they call them the STEMI. You got to get your STEMI. You know what I'm saying? Get my on. Right. But, oh, man. You know what's funny to me, man? How nobody really talked about that? I like people's shoe game and stuff have gone because they can't sell these shoes at these exorbitant prices no more because it's just not. Yeah, ain't nobody buying them. Yeah, yeah. Like you said, that's a lot of things that are changing that uh, aren't going back to the way they were a lot of, and on every level. And like you said, the retail is one of them. Like they had to change, like stores have to change not only their prices, but their approach, their marketing tactics, things like that. Uh, to keep people coming in, because a lot of places aren't aren't making it out, man. It's it's, it's been tough. So um, it's tough to watch. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, I can think of things that have happened in my life that are similar to this, but not on the same circumstance. Right, right. Level. Um, but there's a there's a there's a it's again the normal for all of us is you know let's get this money. Right. That's been normal. That's been a normal for years for everybody. Mm -hmm. um, but it's crazy to me now how uh, people aren't necessarily understanding that our quest for capitalism right now can kill you. Yeah. Yeah. This ain't crack. This ain't meth. This is this is somewhere you know cats is catching this shit and dying. Catching some cats catching and living. Right. Yeah. And I'm happy about that. But this is this is a situation where you know. Um, for change, cats really do kind of need to back up and seriously be about people and each other for for a while. Like the money, of, hopefully, the money will come back in the way that it needs to come back, and in a better and sustainable way. Right. But you know, all of us doing what we're doing now, you know, cats working themselves to death and all that kind of stuff, man. Um, all that kind of led up to where we are now. Right. Right. So. And so I don't know. I, I like to think uh, again, not only as a comedian, but just a hopeful ass person that once you know this shit comes to pass, that hopefully we will be able to get back to a better form of doing stand up comedy. We'll be able to get uh, to a better form of doing retail and, and you know uh, how cats spend their money and what we place value on. Um, that's that's what I'm hoping. Now I know a lot of that may not happen, but yeah, yeah you got to be hopeful though, man. You have to. I, I got to be hopeful. Um, you know, I'm, I'm always uh, I'm always one that that's going to believe that you have to uh, believe in the in the good nature of people. Right. right. And, uh, you if you give up on the good nature of people, I feel like you give on give up on your own good nature. That's uh, true. That's true. So I'm 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 that kind of a person. I may not uh, I may not appear to be yeah. all the time. I can say that. <laughs> uh, but generally, man. Um, you know, I, I can't stress it enough. There is an um, there is an immense release of pressure in knowing that I have not been angry for the past forty five years. Like, it, yeah, like there's other brothers that I've been talking to about it. Uh, you know, all of that listening to Public Enemy, all of that listening to Paris, all of that listening to to you know what I'm saying, X Clan, all of that. Uh, <laughs> All of that reading the autobiography of Malcolm X, all of that reading George right. X, all of that, you know what I'm saying? Like all of that early Tupac listening. We weren't angry. Right. We were ready. There was a voice, man. It was something that was trying to talk to us. 
and we saw something and it was easier for people to dismiss us as being angry or, or militant when in actuality this this it was never that. Right. Yeah. Huge pressure. Yeah, it's a... can't stress it enough. It's huge pressure, I just don't feel. That's yeah, to have that pressure off of you is a blessing too, man. Definitely. Right. And I, to have it at, that same epiphany um all over the place, man. Um right. I I I don't uh that's the other thing, and I and I guess I, I hit that and, and I kind of let it go, and I hope, because uh, I know you deal with this, but, like, man, if there's been nothing else, wellness, man, check on your fucking people, B. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Yeah. Like, especially brothers, man, because we got such a way of just being hard about everything, and we don't want to, I got I got homeboys of mine, I know most of my life, man, these cats, I know when something's wrong because you don't hear from me. Right, right, yeah. Yeah. And so, like, for real, man, you know, do as much as you can to check on your brothers, tell your brothers I love you, you know what I'm saying? Let them know, you know what I'm saying, that, you know, they ain't the only ones going through the shit with their kids, their wife, all of that shit, you know what I'm right, saying? Right, We are not, we don't traditionally, I'll say it that way, we traditionally don't do a good job at that. Uh, right, right. You know, you know calling my, I call my dad from time to time just to make sure that he got a space to Say what he want to say because he needs that shit. Right, right. Everybody needs it. Need that shit. Um, yeah. The one thing that I try to, I'm trying to get my son to understand, and I hope other people do too. Is the one thing that you lose as a black man when you, the older you get, is compassion. People really don't give a fuck about your position. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and and it, and it heartens you. Yeah, definitely, you lose that compassion. Hundred percent. If there's nothing that you could give as a gift to a black man or, or you know, somebody who might be struggling through something uh, in, in their life, man, it's compassion, dude. Yeah, yeah. So many people are trying to rip folks down. Um, and it's so easy for people to put up that bravado. Of, I'm just so hard. I'm so tough. Um, even with, even if they don't say it, you know what I'm saying? Like, just keep right. it aside. Man, that, that, that's a lot of energy, man. It's, it's definitely, definitely. So, yeah, yeah, that's all right, man. That's, you gotta be there, like everybody. That negativity is so powerful, and it's so not powerful, but abundant. That being a beacon of light to people, like I mean, that's one of my goals. You know, as I've gotten older, I try to be more like um, the person. Like I try to support everybody, like even if it's just saying I believe, because you know, you people hear so much. You know, oh, that's not gonna work, man. You crazy? You think you can do that? You know, I just try to be that person to be like, man, you gonna do it? You know. Uh, just give that support and acknowledgement. And like you said, just check on people. Let them know that it's somebody out there that cares, that believes in what they're doing, you know, because a lot of times it's people that don't believe in you, you know. So, yeah, that, that's extremely important. I'm glad you said that. I, I can't stress it enough. I, I think that uh, we is, uh, it's, it's a weird time racially what's going on. It's a weird time gender-wise what's going on. Um, I'm, I am all for, um, I said it earlier, and I love saying it, I'm all for all the female, um, black female movies that are coming out where sisters that are, you know, assassins or sisters that are the lead in a movie and the smart movies and, um, you know, the, 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 the just the overall portrayal of stuff, um, I think is an interesting time. Like, and again, um, there's, there's definitely a move afoot not necessarily to show that uh, 
um, there's definitely something happening where you're seeing a lot more of a sensitive side of hard brothers. Um, and, and I'm, and some of it is cool. Some of it I already know how to take. <laughs> it's weird. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and for so long, you know, that idea of being a big sensitive man, um, either came off as people thinking that you were gay or that people were like, Oh, he weird. I don't deal with him. And that, right. you know, you seeing it a lot more to know that it's not only acceptable, but like there's more people out there like that. It's like, more the norm, right, definitely. I used to tell people all the time, man, it's funny. If you're from D.C., you know this. We walk around with easily the hardest scowls on our face. We know we normally wear all gray or black, um, big baggy-ass sweatsuits, clothes on, do-rags on, um, and then when you see us standing outside, we don't look like the type of dudes normally that you would walk up to and say, like, hey, how are you? Like, we can... But that, to me, is the greatest mistake anybody, anyone could ever make coming to Washington, D.C. Straight up and down. You will miss out on probably one of the coolest motherfuckers you will ever meet in your life by just walking up to somebody huge and saying, hey, man, I'm lost. Can you help me, man? And, like, really speaking, man, I'm always going to say some of the nicest, most respectful, cool-ass brothers I've ever met in my life come come from the area, man. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And the dudes that are willing to look out for you, the dudes that are willing to, you know what I'm saying, see some bullshit going down and step in without even knowing the dude that, that the shit is happening to, that's home to me. Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah. DC, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, we might be in a go-go, and I might see Carter Terrence and, and like, what used to be uh, the homes get into a fight, but I tell you this, let some bullshit happen in the streets. I watch that same group of dudes come together and protect other people in the neighborhood yeah. and make it wouldn't happen. Yeah, that's what it's about. Yeah, and what, what you were saying about like the uh the mean mug, and it's so funny, like uh that that a uh, layer that we that society has this feeling like we gotta put on. I remember my nephew when he graduated from like the first grade or something, I was at his graduation in his elementary school. And I was like, I never seen so many gangster parents and kids just walking. I'm like, it's an elementary school. It's a graduation. It's okay. You can smile. You can smile. I remember like a, a, a dude like walked past me and he didn't even really bump me, like brushed me a little bit. And he was like, oh man, cool. I was like, I, I, I mean, he's saying my bad, but it was just so like, his whole demeanor was like, yeah, I'm in these streets. I'm like, no, nah, we in the elementary school, dog. You can relax. I always laugh about when I used to teach at Baloo, man, and uh, oh, man. Yeah. I used to tell the kids all the time, y'all living off reputation. That's like, yeah, Baloo has, has gone. It's, it's come and gone. Like, those dudes who were here, I went to school with them Bamas. They, they they were deadly serious, but they were super smart. Mm-hmm. Super smart. And they were no joke in the classroom, and they were no joke on the street, so it was fine. But, like, I always, um, the quickest way to tell this, there was a young man, uh, playing on Blues football team, he was starting uh, running back. He thought he was a shit little dude, man, like maybe five five. But he was like, I run through anything you put in my path. Blah, blah 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 blah. All right, man. They went out and played some white boy school out in uh, out in Virginia, and he was talking cash money before they went. Man, they said during the game, I was looking. I was they, they, were, they had the box score. He had like I don't know 14, 15 fumbles. And so when I asked the coach what happened. He said, "Coop." First time he came through the hole, he was all hype. He ran through the hole. The white boy smacked his ass up. Said he got up to run the next play. They called another run play. 
We handed him the ball, and he literally stood there and dropped the ball. He did this 15 times. He like he just dropped the ball. <laughs> he didn't want that work, man. It was them corn fed white boys be about it, man. John Deere hit him. I told him. <laughs> I told him, I can talk all the blacks off I want to, man. You want you know what taught me racial equality? Football. 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 Yeah. The biggest you could be the biggest brother you want to be, man. There's some big white boys out there and they can hit. <laughs> they can hit. You yeah. can lie to yourself. They respect JJ Watt for a reason. He can right, right. that boy lay some hat. You know what right, I'm saying? Right. So I'll take his one white boy to lay some hat for you to be like, you know, maybe we are equal. Maybe we maybe <laughs> oh. I've been looking at this wrong the whole time. The whole time. You know what? Because I ain't going through this shit anymore. This right, is like, right. I ain't doing this shit. So so look, man. Anytime, every time we uh we get to talking, man, time be moving. It's already twelve thirty. I had a few more questions for you, but I want you to come back because I do have the uh. I have the, usually I would just go over, but I got some runs to make, man. But uh, but I appreciate you every time, man. Like I said, anytime I call you. It's that simple, bro. Um, what you see me doing is what I'm doing. Until you this, <laughs> man. I. I I love any 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 time, man. You want me to come on next week, week after next, just say the word. I'm down. I appreciate uh, you, brother. And um, yeah, I miss the hell out you, brother. I can't even lie. Yeah, same here, man. Same here, man. I'm waiting for you to get a room, man. So when you get like a, a room up there, now let me say, I mean like a a comedy room, man. This ain't no weird stuff going on. When you get a a, a venue to do comedy, I would like to, because you know I've been you know working my stuff out, but I mean I haven't had a chance to since all this, but uh. But yeah, man, I'll come through definitely. Yeah, I'll say this. Um, there's clearly going to be a space moving forward for for people to to do what we know how to. Like, again, we ain't going to go back to normal, but right. there's some things that I personally think that people are just going to miss. Right. It will be an opportunity for it to be done the right way. Um, I, I shout out to anybody. Point Blank, who's an entrepreneur right now. Shout out to anybody who is in the performing arts of any capacity. Um, shout out to people who are visual artists, uh, to the people who are used to, uh, you know, working behind a very active scene. This is this is this is difficult. Yeah. Everybody I know, um, and um, you know, we ain't even talking about the political aspect. Just the idea of being at home. Um, and not being able to do what you want to do when you want to do it. Um, and I also would say to all those people, stay vigilant and stay patient. Mm-hmm. Um, there's no rush. And I, I guess that's the other thing with me this comedy shit. There's no rush. Right. Yeah. I feel like I'm going to be funny for the rest of my fucking life. There's nothing much I can do. About that. Yeah, yeah. Um, exactly. But I am in no rush to be famous by the end of 2022 or 2023 or 2024. Um, I'm in no rush. Um, I'm, I think that, um, they could just be me. I think the best approach to this is calculated. Um, and I think the best approach to this is to take advantage when the opportunities open themselves up. Um, and if you happen to fail, <laughs> when you get the opportunity, take it as a learning lesson so that the next time your ass gets one, you do right. Yeah. Um, before all this crap popped off, 
if you perform bad at a venue, it was just a, a bad shot. And, uh, it, it, you know, you, you would have a chance later in that week or later on, you know, to, to make up for that. Now, yeah. now you blow a spot. It's very possible you have blown that spot. Like, yeah, you got to live with that for a while, at least. You know what I mean? And um, I've, I've not only seen it happen for myself, but I've seen it happen for other people that are way more established than I am. Um, so, again, like, what we, what we all were used to as normal might not have been the best thing. Right, yeah. You know, and right now, um, moving forward, like, I'm, you know, I think, uh, um, the scene as it was before is not going to exist. And I think you're going to find, um, uh, a lot more people willing to accept participation medals uh, and people running for uh, winners' medals. Right, right, right. I see how you, you had to craft that the right way to say what you said. Yeah, yeah, it makes perfect sense, though, and, that, and that's true. Um, you know. I think you're going to see a lot more, even in the, um, even at the show that I went to for Joe and Eddie. Right. The opening act was the owner's wife. Because uh, it was her birthday and she just wanted to do stand-up. She had never done it before. Mm -hmm. um, and I would definitely say back in the old days, if an owner of a restaurant would have pulled some shit like that, every comic in the room would have been hella pissed off and mad. It's like, you going to put your wife up, dog? You gonna right, right. Up, but um, I'm happy to say that my first thought when I saw her getting up was good luck. There you go. My first thought, it was good luck. I wouldn't, this is a scary time to start doing comedy. Like, yeah. starting now? Shoot. <laughs> yeah. Was like, good luck, sister. On top of all the original stuff that was already, you know, uh, scary and, and, and yeah, weird about it. And then, you know, these times make it so much, so much different. I but think. Yeah. Moving forward, that's if I do get a room or if I do get an opportunity to do something. Um, first, that's the angle that I'm already looking at. I want to encourage people uh, to get on stage. I want to encourage people to to get up there and speak. Um, I want to encourage people um, to to tell their stories. Tell 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 what's going on. Like um, it's it's killing me. Um, it's killing me. I, I, whether it's been blackish, the, the, the blackest fuck the show, whether it was when all this shit first started, whether it was the fact there was more white people out in the streets protesting, but Black Lives Matter, it, people I've ever seen in my entire all the layers, yeah. There's jokes in this shit, but the reality is there's nobody to get up and say this shit in front of. Right. Unless you're already established, I could put out a comedy special tomorrow. And it would be no different than a mixtape. Put it would be no different than a, a dude doing a mixtape putting this shit up on that hip. Right, right, yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? So, and, and shout out to the man doing his album and let him know I want to hear it. Definitely. Uh, that's, that's the one thing, and I'd love to come back and talk to you about that more. That's the one thing quietly that honestly flourished in 2020 was music. Oh man, yeah, yeah. We definitely got to talk about that. Yeah, we might just do like a uh, call. I'm gonna hit you. We'll work out something. But we might just uh, do a call, live call, and just chat about some stuff. Yeah, yeah. 
I want to talk about music in 2020. So that's why I, why I did what I did. But yeah, yeah, musically, it was just an amazing, amazing year music. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. A lot of good stuff. A lot of quality stuff. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I got some stuff to talk about too. So like I said, we'll work that out. I think we'll do a live and just uh, just chop it up about some more stuff. Uh, but yeah, man, thank you so much, man. I really appreciate you. Like I said, it's always a good time when you come through. Um, uh, shout out to uh, my co-host Patrice and, and Aisha, who were kind of there. Uh, that's a dope shirt too. Fat Doctor, rest in power, brother. Long live Fat Doctor. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, shout out to uh, uh, Joelle for coming through, my NBA correspondent. Uh, we're gonna be seeing more of her uh, doing her thing. And uh, yeah, man, shout out to you, brother. I appreciate you. Like I said, I can't say it enough. Um, you know, uh, the patriarch of the cool, one of the coolest black families in America and, uh, and, and a very hilarious brother, my man, Ralph Cooper. Thank you so much. Thank you guys for checking us out, man. This has been another episode of the Neighborish Livecast. Take care of yourselves and each other. And uh, yeah, stay safe. And look, man, stay in the house. Don't go out because it's crazy out there. Just, just, or your back porch like I did. And go there. Right, make a tent, yeah. yeah. All day. Or, or we can all just go over to Ralph's tent and hang out in the tent for a while. You just never really here for me and my wife. Maybe oh, okay. That's it. <laughs> we'll build y'all a tent next to our tent. Okay, cool, cool. All right, all right brother. Peace. Peace, man.